0: Hi folks, and thanks for listening to this Tortoise Shack podcast. A little bit of housekeeping, uh, we do need your support. The Tortoise Shack is a listener-led and listener-supported enterprise and that means that we need you to chip in, put your hands in your pockets and give us the price of a fancy cup of coffee once a month to keep these shows on the road and you get lots of extras including access to our regular sunday shows which we do live online with our members and the q a session that we do at the end and there's also an entire back catalogue in one consolidated feed completely plea free so when you're listening to this podcast why not click on that link that says patreon.com forward slash shack and join us for a month and see what you think the podcast you're about to hear now is yesterday's live Sunday show, and I wouldn't ordinarily put it out as quickly as we are, but our friend and campaigner Mick Finnegan is beginning his silent protest outside St. John's Ambulance today uh, to in order to pressure them into publishing the report that they've now had for over 10 weeks. Uh, if you're in the area, if you're in Dublin and you're around, around town, Maybe show up, give Mick a bit of support. If you're not, throw in the hashtag breakthesilence. You'll find him on, on Twitter at Mick Finnegan and show solidarity with a man who is just looking for truth and justice. Um, thanks to Mick, thanks to Harry and Shameen for joining us. Thanks to everybody who was in the audience. It was great to get a little bit of interaction going again, and we hope to do more of the Sunday shows going forward. But I won't delay any further. Enjoy the podcast. <laughs>
1: Hello and welcome to the Tour de Shack Sunday special. It's been a while. With us, joining us today, Shamim Malekum of the Dublin Enquirer, Harry McEvinson, Macken- Mack the numbers guy, particularly on the polls. And of course, the indomitable Mick Finnegan, who needs no description whatsoever. I'm also joined by my co-host, the ever effervescent Tony Groves.
0: Morning folks or afternoon as it is now and thanks again for coming back to us on a Sunday afternoon as we talk about some of the stories of the week that was but we want to kick off really quickly because uh, Mick Finnegan joins us and Mick it's week 10 since the report from Jeffrey Shannon went to St. John's Ambulance and remains unpublished and you and a number of survivors continue to ask for this to be released. You've had support across the This from both houses you've had the president himself speak out and you've had a lot of people finally say you know look we need to as you would say make yourself break the silence let me can you tell me where you how you feel about this in the last few days uh, and especially in light of the fact that we seem to be uh in 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 the midst of scandal after scandal that this this thing it's just needs to go needs to happen quicker
2: yeah it's it's um from a survivor's perspective and chatting to the majority of the survivor group, it's frustrating. It's, it's, there's a lot of anger, you know, a lot of people are upset purely because like the board of St. John Ambulance did issue um, a a generalized letter to survivors saying they will publish a report soon. That was the beginning. That was like at the beginning of January. Um, It's 10 weeks today that they have the, they've had that report in their possession. And it doesn't seem to really kind of. There's no projected date for publication. There's nothing coming from from the board other than they remain they, they remain committed to publishing the report. And that in itself just keeps re-traumatizing really survivors because they're upset and angry. Because like, what's the point? You know, why did we engage in this report and not get to see it?
0: And from your, I know from your own perspective, you have been relentless and, and tireless and continually to to ask for the publication is it are you literally being met with just refer back to this letter that they've given you they've given the thing that they will you know do this uh, once they've got the legal review over and you know and where does that how does that stand now 10 weeks later
2: it doesn't take 10 weeks to review a report you know what I mean generally that's done within a first couple of weeks it's all hands on deck Um, it's just we're being met with the same kind of silence if I'm being really honest and, you know, I've chatted to a few journalists that have covered it. Even today, there's another piece in the Sunday Independent. Two new survivors have come forward. They've made complaints to the guards, um, to the Div- divisional protective services unit within the Garda Um and it's just silence. There's nothing coming back. You know, it's the same. It's the same statement from them. You know, we remain committed to publishing the reports once we've done all our, you know, due diligence or whatever that they'll, they'll publish it, but. You know, the longer this drags out, the less confident I am that this report will be published.
1: I was going to, I was just going to come back to you on that, Mick. Do you think the report is going to have in it what you expect to have in it?
2: I think the report will have that. Yeah, I think the report will go a long way to, I know closure is a bit of a bad word maybe to use because I'm only speaking from myself. I can't speak you know, for every one of the survivor groups, but I know certainly it'll give me a bit of closure so I can move on with my life. You know, particularly when you've been living with that I'm reliving that trauma on a daily basis because you're being ignored. Like none of us should have to none of us should have to play play out our trauma in the national media. You know, something that was quite private and horrific. To you know, it's just shocking that you have to go on, you know radio tv other the newspapers podcasts you name it the kind of we shouldn't have to do that we shouldn't have to be sharing our deepest darkest secrets you know to be picked apart by journalists or whoever but the reality is not that's the only way that this you know you're going kind to of have to shame them into doing it and shame them into doing the right thing you have you know you've
0: used your campaign to break the silence campaign and in fairness You know, it's been quite successful. I mean, I've referenced across party. Government and and opposition have come out and spoken that wanted this released. I know the minister, uh, Roger Gorman, recently um, said he wants it released. I mean, I have, you know, we've had... Things to say about Roger O'Gorman's uh, dealings with the mother and baby homes report this week. But I know from the correspondence that you've received from him that you have found at least on 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 the aspect of standing with survivors here, that's going to happen. But what more can you th- can you think the public can do in terms of because we, I think that may be the, the only thing I know yesterday I tweeted about it being the, the Six Nations and the IRFU. Using Saint John's ambulance in the Aviva Stadium, but things like but I mean, are you calling on the public for for uh, to to raise their voices as well as the
2: politicians now? I think so, yeah, because the organisation you know serves the community, the wider community across across the Republic of Ireland. You know, so you know every football match, every concert you go to, you know, there's a good chance the Saint John Ambulance provide the four-state cover for that. You know, so. It would be great to have the support of the public, you know, to kind of really put pressure on the organization to publish a report. But until that report is published, I don't really have much confidence in them as an organization because it's doing a lot of damage to the current membership of the organization, who are great people. You know, this isn't about me trying to kind of get one over or the survivors trying to get one over St. John Ambulance. This is just about... You know, transparency, accountability, and to also say future-proof that organisation moving forward. That if a child was to come forward and make a disclosure that they were sexually abused, that child would be supported. You know, that would be given the help and the support, the and guidance it needs to kind of deal with that trauma. That trauma, you know, as opposed to how they dealt with it with us, where we were just ignored, marginalised, and uh, forgotten about.
1: Isn't it? Isn't it terrible that you have to speak the the obvious? make like you have to say we have to do this because uh, and not just that somebody could this is right this is wrong this this is what this is about it's very you know that you have to justify that somebody would do something about it it's just incredible and that there's uh, 10 weeks waiting on a report did the did the shenanigans this last week in regard to uh previous redress did, did, did that have an effect on your Tom like, did you think Jesus what are we doing this for when they're so bad
2: yeah like there is a bit of that like what's the point you know you, you do get frustrated you get angry and like there's been times where I've literally been in tears do you know what I mean trying to hold it all together and, and also trying to support the lads who have come forward and have shared what's happened to them you know yeah. there is a bit of that there's a bit of like do people actually care you know th- there's also a bit you know it's interesting how you know as a society we kind of pick and choose sometimes who we want to support and who we don't want to support you know like we we're like you know the lads that are from like that were in Saint
0: there was a lot of there's a lot of working class lads from uh, from maybe working class he- households that were maybe not seen as you know like it goes back to I know it's terrible but there is a hierarchy in in some of these ways it particularly maybe around how, how people perceive it and it's not unfair of you to bring it up I really and, and I know you've you've struggled you, you don't want to you're not saying other people aren't aren't victims or aren't survivors of other of other of other crimes and other abuses but it is important to say that you know this is this is handled differently but I do think I mean, like the president himself has come out and called for this bloody report. And I do believe Jeffrey Shannon yeah. is one of the best um at the actual the work that he's done, if 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 his track record is to be believed, yeah.
2: Ah, look, come here. like Jeffrey Shannon, like if you if you like for anyone that isn't familiar with Jeffrey Shannon and likes football or rugby or whatever, like Jeffrey Shannon's like Ronaldo or O'Driscoll, Do you know what I mean? Like when it comes to that stuff, he's the best person to review this. Uh, this situation do you know what I mean and I have every faith in him because he's been very open He's been ve- and he communicates with survivors on a regular basis like if he if a survivor drops him an email you'd be guaranteed that the, he will respond to that email within a day or two but I think the best way to put it Tony I think that the, the, it's not I think with the St. John Ambulance I think the, the approach is not equitable do you know what I mean It's it doesn't seem to be kind of we don't seem to be getting the same support if that makes sense it's kind of like if, you know, if me and the survivors went away and kept our mouths shut, would it be, would this get the, would this be, be talked about this morning with yourselves? Would it be in the independent? Would it be on different, different bits? You know, even the RT Radio 1 ran with it there during the week for the fourth time. So,
1: you know. All I can say is, you know, we're on your side. we are on your side all along. We just hope to get it out as fast oh, yeah, no, as we no, no. can. So listen, you go have your swim, buddy. Dip in there. Have a good time. And no, thanks for sitting there looking at your car. Get mad getting into that water. So, <laughs> thanks, lads, mate. Lads, do, I do I have a do, mental
2: health diagnosis, Mark. So it's good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> 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 If if
0: you're though, I will before Mick uh, make heads off. You can you can support, you can use the, the hashtag break the silence and you can let uh, people know and you can let Saint John's ambulance know that this has to come as well. That's important. Uh we we do see that the reaction can come from public pressure, you know, and, and it's very important. So thanks Mick. And I'm sorry that we, dra- we dragged you away from your one mile swim in the icy waters, but uh, and uh, we let that stand. Th- thanks for joining us
1: again. And we're going to go to Harry.
2: Thanks Tony. Thanks Martin. Thank you. Have a good day.
1: Thanks Mick. And we're going to go to Harry. Harry, all these scandals, I suppose Fall are on the floor in the polls. Uh, it's a show in that the next government won't be Fianna Fáil, Fianna Fáil. Am I right? Uh,
3: no, <laughs> not not even slightly. Unfortunately, uh, like we have seen, obviously the the very hard pushed budget bounce narrative just completely disappear like that in the last few weeks, with everybody having Finnegale back down to pretty much where they were uh, over the summer. Um, but Sinn Féin have also kind of been stalling, I would say, ticking down slightly over the last over the last few weeks. So we had a moment where it looked like the kind of sort of static stability we'd seen for a very long time was going to dissipate, but that was not really the case. We're kind of still where we were. Uh, none of these scandals, I think, have really... It doesn't feel like they've really broken through. Like I feel that people's reaction to them has generally been, "Oh, again." Rather than something that's like really motivating people to get mad, which maybe the now maybe the, the the mother and baby home stuff which should, to be honest with you, I think inspire that reaction. But again, I think as a as we've seen, uh, we're so inured to this kind of state-backed institutional abuse and the disrespect and disregard for the wishes of survivors that
0: I mean we only have to look at kind of mixtures left and we look at we look at the yeah. st john's ambulance we look at the mother and baby home we look at the nursing homes we see revelations around uh hep, hep c today about about other practices how how people were treated so you're right harry but it's almost uh what was what was the wasn't it the steve bannon tactic flooding the zone with shit we really <laughs> we really do have a lot of shit to wade through at the moment.
3: Well, I, I I don't think that's deliberate though. I think I, I described that more to incompetence than anything else on behalf of the of the government. They've managed to, as soon as one scandal's gone away, they've man- well, it's only really gone away because they've blundered into the into the next one, and they seem to be increasingly escalating from like relatively minor, although you could argue certainly in some cases resignation-worthy financial indiscretions to oh yeah, um, let's just not bother uh, including our. Uh, tens of thousands of people in a redress scheme. Um, So really running the gamut there and sort of escalating uh, each time. But obviously like, I feel like a lot of the, um, and I might talk about this a little more in the context of the polls. That's okay. Um, I feel like a lot of what's been taken up now has sort of gone into this sort of immigration refugee kind of piece. And if anyone has,
0: well, Harry, you you specifically spoke to me last week around the Red Sea uh, poll and how it had the framing of it. And, we see it again in some of the polling that's come out today and how it's been framed. And I think you made a comment on something this morning. And I think the poll one of the polling um people who uh who tweet changed their tweet, well, clarified the tweet half an hour after you'd after you'd pointed it out, you know?
3: Yeah, no, I'd I'd uh, I I they hadn't published the um up to date figures, so I was using ones from a while ago. So that's not on that's not on them. Um that's on the independent for not getting everything out quickly enough. Um but, like, look, if anyone's read what I've written on the, on the website, and if you haven't, please go and read the full thing. Uh, so irishelectionprojections.com. I'm still not comfortable giving plugs, but I'm going to start trying it. I've learned for the best now, Tony and Mark. But like the Red Sea thing, just to give it a context, they ran with this whole thing about how anti-immigrant, anti-immigrant sentiment, I think is how they phrased it, is becoming a major political issue in Ireland. And their basis for that was they asked people, are they, ha- are they happy with the government's handling of the uh, refugee crisis, I think was the phrase they used, which itself is not great phrasing. Um, they asked a very specific question about the construction of modular homes without planning permission. And um, they asked another question, which has gone out of my head, which is bad. I have it here, though. Um, oh yeah, do Irish people welcome refugees as a whole, or is it far-right activists, just far-right activists? Now, you could validly answer no to any of those questions without necessarily expressing anti-refugee sentiment. I don't think it's just far-right activists who are um, not welcoming. I'd say the state's policy towards refugees is not very welcoming at the moment. Uh, similarly, do I think the government has done a good job on handling a uh, handling situation with refugees? No. Obviously, they haven't. We, we've seen the government has sort of said, well, we're just not going to be able to house a lot of people anymore. So tough. Uh, we've seen people being put in tents. We've seen people have to make their own encampments. Uh, that's not good handling. But that's not an anti-refugee position. That's not an anti-immigration position to observe that. And there's no further research done here as to whether, what, why people said no to those questions. And then immediately you had Usual, you know, you can sort of expect to a degree the media to turn around and sensationalize it and be like, oh, this is becoming a political issue. This is now driving a load of sentiment. None of those questions support that. And what I found really worrying was that the polling company themselves wrote that article. Red Sea took their own data. And then I can only conclude deliberately because these are not stupid people. These are people who are very good at what they do, completely misinterpreted what it said and tried to make it seem like it was like something was being said. But they, they, wrote, they,
0: wrote, they wrote the narrative.
3: They did and that's really concerning because it you know it has gone beyond just oh look the the independent or whoever or the Sunday sorry the Sunday Business post are being irresponsible it's like this is the actual company that's asking the questions doesn't really get an answer that proves anything but still is saying the yeah, thing that is since
1: they had a point they had a point that they wanted to prove and what is what what does they know? say
0: a problem in search of a solution or yeah, or, uh, yeah no it's um,
1: uh, you see polls like that, and you are brilliant at pointing out the language that are used in these questions. You know, you have been always really brilliant at it. Harry's point that this is just nonsense, that this, when you have the Red Sea writing about this, it's just nonsense. So what are your thoughts on that one?
4: Yes, Harry pointed out the questions, the phrasing of question in any polling is quite important. And based on how you phrase the question, you might get the kind of response that you were kind of aiming for or you kind of were hoping for or it's just the old thing when you, when they ask you do you want irish unity between north and the south you know it's just a very quite a vague phrasing of just a yes or no When there's so much nuances in that um but like yeah like calling the the, the asylum Seeker refugee uh, situation is a crisis just you've you've for, uh, off the bat you're you're saying Seven this is
1: parameters a,
4: this, yeah 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 I think it's just the language is really important in um, polling and the language needs to be at least neutral you know um if you're going for immigration especially things that are quite sensitive um yeah it's just at the moment but if anything immigration related is you know
1: well, oh yeah, yeah. Sh-
0: yeah, Sh- yeah Sh- 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 you made one really excellent point about the the disgraceful behaviours of of the far right elements that that went in went on in Talke Valley Park, um, just off the road, and and you said also one of the things that the the media was guilty of was immediately framing it as an attack on a migrant camp.
4: Yeah, like I just don't understand why that story was the way it was framed and the the the, the use of the terminology in migrant camp is quite bizarre to be honest because um it was a homeless man of migration backgrounds basically living in tents like we see all over dublin you know um but but this is kind of phrased as a migrant camp so every time why should someone's immigration say this or not even say this because you might be uh from a white from an eu country like um someone's existence as an immigrant kind of overshadowed their status as a homeless person, you know,
1: I know it's and not, it's not really, you know, uh, you're homeless, but you're an immigrant. So you're lesser than homeless. I mean, it's just incredibly bad.
4: It's just, I just don't understand why it was called a migrant camp. It was it migrant camp. Uh, you think of, uh, place where people are immediately from. people
0: immediately people think in, in ireland they might think calais they might think um of yeah. the of these type of and this is the imagery we get and the the you know and again that's that mentality and it is creeping in but i just thought it was i thought it was great that you pointed it out and you also pointed out another um fallacy around the number this week, the, the you know, the, Oh, 4,000 people arrived without passports and you were, you were breaking that, that one down, but it's, it's, it's kind of, I can see how frustrating it is in your face having to um do this myth busting, but like uh, they, they've gotten this, there's another right wing talking point that's kicked in this week and it's, you know, Oh, the Lisbon treaty gives us the the ability to say everybody get out, but that's not true because international law that we've signed up to on three occasions Give, but you Tony, you're not
1: you're not talking to people. about going no, to be but, reasonable, but, you know. You're just not.
0: Ah. I, I get that, but I'm just saying. I saw, like as I said, Shmee, do you want to just talk a little bit about particularly around the 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 phrasing of people saying, "Well, they destroyed their their documents." I mean, there's lots of reasons why people want to destroy their documents.
4: Yeah, this is one of the things that came out from an article like twice. I think the Irish Times had a sharp focus on the fact that people come here and. What really breaks my heart is that they actually put in a freedom of information request to get this. It wasn't something that the government fed them. Uh, So it's kind of so disappointing. What is your agenda that you have to put in a freedom of information to put this? And So basically, what is happening here, not everyone can afford to to come stay in in a country for 90 days, like you can go to America with an Irish passport, stay in for 90 days, come back, or Americans can come here and do the same. But um, majority, there are countries that are on a visa blacklist, so they would need to, even if, even for just two weeks to see their daughter, to see their whatever, uh, they need to put in visa applications. And they are regularly, they regularly um, get rejected, you know. So um, people have to forge them. If they're in need of asylum, they need to forge documents. They need to forge a visa to be able to come here. And, uh, you know, a lot of times they destroy the forged documents when they get to the place of that they were hoping to get to. Uh, and this is just like, this is very simple, isn't it? You think it's very simple. But like the some people are so blinded, I think, by privileges that they have that they can travel everywhere. They're like, oh well, what? Why is there? that If they broke the law, mm. I'm like, well, there was. They, they couldn't. They literally couldn't get here and. <laughs> The thing is, I, I want to point out the, the problem that is framed as Georgians come here and the Georgians, uh, at the, according to the Ezra report, like the, the, the past couple of days, their um, asylum application has dropped in other EU countries, but not here. And Ireland is the only country that requires them to get a visa. And maybe the government should think, oh, if the visa barrier was taken off, maybe people had some chance during this three months, 90 days to kind of like regularize their situation without um seeking asylum. And then the, this is something that we see in the case of Brazilians, you know, who can travel here without a visa. And then it, most of the time you see that they just go and get themselves, um become students, you know, work, study and re- you know, just there's no evidence that uh, these visa barriers work actually in making migrants disappear. And then but the, the, the kind of ignorance that that the Irish media is showing and saying people coming on false documents so there might be dodgy people. No, they're just desperate people, you know.
1: Yeah. Harry Yeah and
3: actually it's one thing shereen said there and I I need to apologize because I even referred to um encampment earlier when I was talking and that's just how pervasive it is that even you know I'm trying to make a conscious effort to be you know on the right side of this because I am but it's also like yeah we don't even think how those things just slip in because it's just so pervasive and how we address it so thank you for calling that out I guess another thing that I just want to follow up on because I think Shemin's made a really good point about the sort of the, the visa documentation stuff uh, I'm sorry I have a lot of thoughts on this uh, in general but also this idea of like you know oh people have to have all their stuff together when they arrive like you can't this kind of vetting that's supposed to happen on arrival even on their own terms that doesn't even make any sense because that's how you end up with an actual encampment like calais where everyone is just kept in a holding area at a port or what we see in in uh, the uk where they were being bouncing people essentially between dover and calais because oh we can't immediately determine it the information isn't there people don't turn up with like you know sheets and sheaths of documents and all of this history even if you have it, who's going to be there to go through it? How long is that going to take to process? How long is that going to take to investigate? There's no thought in this. It's a very simple word that oh they're not valid. Oh that we don't they don't have their documents. But if you think about it for like literally three seconds, it even even without getting into all of the things she was talked about, which are extremely correct, even without having the empathy to express that person's situation, it doesn't make practical sense. It's very clearly just a way of saying get these people out of here. And we see that with um and this is where I think things get really dangerous, right, is because people aren't going to vote for a bunch of guys who go around burning places down and kicking dogs in the head and attacking homeless camps. They, they aren't. It's when people like Michael McDowell go on Pat Kenny and say everybody who turns up without proper documentation should just be kicked out of the country, end of story, no debate about it. That's where it gets really dangerous. You somebody who's got the respectable face, who has, as much as we all know, who mcdowell is there still we have to also be realistic there's a lot of people in ireland who still think he you know was a respectable politician and was doing the right thing and all he's, that he's, stuff he's, he's, he's,
0: published, he's published every week in the irish times
3: yeah exactly and th- but this ties into it like when we look at the to go back to the polling a little bit like when i um, what you mentioned so i pulled saying that there was only 90 percent of people didn't consider immigration an issue a significant issue in um December. Now, that's down to about 81% in polling this month, but not much materially has actually changed in that period. What has changed in that period is there's been a huge media blitz about this. There's been massive coverage of very, yeah, dangerous, absolutely, but very small, under uh, not protest, intimidation attempts that are going on uh, for a very small group of far-right people. Um, but what you're seeing is that becoming a media narrative, and then we're seeing the government – Go into that we're seeing the government say oh you know we're we're full essentially we we can't house people anymore tying into that narrative ireland's full tying to that myth that we can't afford to take on these people uh we see comments so simon harris's comments i think was it today or yesterday uh again it's all feeding that because the government are trying to Co-opt, diffuse, uh, placate. I don't know what their actual strategy is, but all they're doing is they're furthering this, they're making it an issue where it doesn't but have to be Harry, because hey, hey. they're trying to avoid responsibility. Well, they don't yes, want they don't, yes. they, don't, they, don't, they don't
0: they don't want to be involved. The actual underlying issue of housing, they failed that for over a yeah. decade. So, you know, if this actually deflects from that, that's actually not too like I mean.
1: You have to think how cynical are they.
0: Sorry Martin, at the at the Fine Gael Parliamentary Party meeting, Vradgar talks about getting tough on illegal immigration. And um the T D uh O'Donovan, he went he literally said three or four things that were, were illegal under international law in terms of how, how they would treat them. And this was obviously you know, you know what it's like when the Finnegale parliamentary party meeting happens. It basically gets live tweeted by almost Danny McConnell, so it's it's all mm-hmm. in the public domain. But do, and, do,
1: Can I ask, Tony, do you not think that this is, when you look at what happened with the nursing homes this week, do you not think that that there is, I mean, people are saying, oh, no, the government wouldn't really do. They are that deeply cynical. We've seen the evidence they're that deeply cynical. Would they play the far right to take the heat off themselves? Of course they would. Of course they would, without question.
0: That's a different, that's something that actually Harry and Shamim have both spoken about on this podcast before the fact that if you, it's, the, it's the old myth, you know, if you if you decide to cross the river on the back of a crocodile, eventually the crocodile is going to turn around and, and bite you. And um, we kind of have we have got that dangerous, um, you know, uh, yeah uh, useful idiots for for want of a better term, because I actually saw it today and I don't know if anybody has a comment on this, but the framing in the Indo today was that the rise of the anti-immigration sentiment was bad news for the left. You know? and, uh, and 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 this is how it was framed in the Sunday independent today. And, you know, when you when you're trying to think like, well, you know, as if it was the problem that we have been calling out for a number of years that, you know, Harry, even I think even as as, as recently as our Christmas show, you were saying, oh, God, I'm, I'm terrified going into 2023 that this is going to crystallize. Little did we know that it, did, it wouldn't even take four or five weeks, Harry. And there it's out on the streets, you know, Um
3: well, Just this a, is this is this is it. It's 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 scary. And again, it's not. It's about the level of violence. It's not about the level of support. It's not about the level of people. It's about a that immediate threat, and then b mainstreaming of those ideas that there be that Finnegale for whatever reason are are swinging behind it. That we see a lot of media commentary and coverage, and now polling companies swinging in behind this and making it into something big. Why? Because they think it's a stick. Well, it's weird. because They're doing two things at once, right? They're saying, "Oh, Sinn Fein are, are racist," but also. Um, we're going to get tough on immigration. So that I, cognitive dissonance, classic there. But at the end of the day, it's the people who are coming here as asylum seekers, as refugees, as just, just immigrants, whatever way you want to categorize them, all of those people, they're the ones who are going to suffer from this. They're the ones who are going to be intimidated, who are going to have violence against them. The, the way things are going, uh, I'll be I'll be blunt, somebody is probably going to get killed because of this. And yeah. it's awful. Um, and we people have to think about what they're enabling and emboldening. And they think they're being smart. And we've seen this, all throughout history is that conservatives always think they can just take a little bit of fascism, a little bit of the far right, so they can get a political gain out of it. And they think they can control it. And that has never, ever, ever been the case. And in this country, we have been extremely fortunate um, for a variety of historical reasons, some of them good, some of them bad, that we have never really found ourselves in that position. Although we certainly had extraordinarily conservative history in government. We've never really found ourselves true danger of falling into fascism, not since the Fascists went and embarrassed themselves in Spain in the nineteen thirties.
0: Well, they all got drunk, but that I mean feels, yeah,
3: like drunk <laughs> killed more fascists than communists. So good job, <laughs> lads. Um but no, seriously, like that is the that's that's the risk that's happening here. Is that we see what's happened in other European countries of this softly, softly approach of conservatives trying to take a little bit of fascism and get into bed with it and whip up that sentiment for their own benefit, and then completely losing control because they don't understand what they're and, playing I'm, with. I think and I made this. Me.
0: I made this point during the week, Martin. I, was, I know I was talking to. We were talking about the fact that the EPP, having only spent a few years getting rid of uh, Viktor Orban as um, Fidesz party out of the EPP in the European Parliament, are now playing footsie with with Maloney's government. Italy wanting them to join their numbers, and you're thinking, you know, this is where it's going. But Shamim, you had an actual positive uh, idea that counters this, and how we counter this is by true stories. And you were talking about uh, a, a a man from Afghanistan who says, "Let me teach. Let me let me uh, help. Let me contribute." I mean, there—that's how we break through, is it?
4: Yeah. For example, if you want to kind of integrate um, the asylum seeker, there are valuable resources. You know, there's people who were who were skilled workers talented workers in their country of origin so um you can tap into it with the older residents in direct provision and you, you use them as valuable resources let them teach like how like um it was really heartbreaking when he says some of them can't even write their names in english you know and these are people who are police officers in afghanistan we always talk about oh how much we need diversity for angari Shikana. that's not diverse at all um you can really tap into this um to use them as resources, useful resources, but like they're just dumb tender and there's just no not much attention is paid to, to the talent they bring in, but, but there's so much attention paid in the fact that they get a, a weekly allowance, you know.
1: Well, we had a, a we had another former PD this week saying that, you know, and he what he was saying is yes, uh, controlled immigration, bring them in to, to fill the jobs that we can't fill. Um, but that it should be done on a point system. You're either useful or you're not. So, I mean, that's two from the PDs in a week. We're going back to these these really old tropes, these really, and stuff you simply can't do. You can't do that. You know, and it, you feel like sitting in front of them going, yeah, I know you're saying that, but you know, we've signed up. It's, again, we can't do it. We can't do what you're saying to do. Yeah, Yeah. it's just lack of responsibility on these people who should have very great responsibility on their shoulders after being former PDs and in government.
4: Yeah, like the, we always talk about the burden of the state; these are going to be burden of the state. But there are ways to kind of have them get under feet, integrate, or family unification, which is a very, very difficult process. is one way to to um, have people integrate. For example, we talk about the single males; the far right talks about the single males. But these men have left their wives behind because it's so difficult to to go through these risks. and then they're here and end up staying single and staying alone for years on end because it takes so long. Because to Ireland
0: has. One of the most restrictive family reunification systems in the EU. I mean, like people keep saying this nonsense of I don't mind people come here legally. I don't mind people who decide Lads, we are really bad. Like, I mean, it's it's very difficult. Like we're not even in Schengen, as it's pointed out, and no one no one talks about it. it's. It's a difficult place uh, just by ge- geography and by um, our systems. And. Think about it, mean when we started talking on the podcast, when I first met you, we had a white paper to end direct provision. And now here we are talking about maybe people in direct provision, let them teach other people how to how to write in English.
4: Yeah, like I s I want to say this. I, yeah, last night I get an email from somebody who who is from Bangladesh and he's trying to bring his wife. And he said, "Dave, telling me that oh, your wife is gonna go on social welfare." And he was like, "No, no, no. I'm I'm working at a pizza takeaway. I can take care of her. You know, I just don't want to be alone." Um, but but, and it's so heartbreaking where the the framing is that these men come here. They're single males. you, you don't think about these men. Have left people behind and they're hoping to be reunited with them, you know. um It's just at the moment, it's really difficult to. The uh, immigration is being covered all the time now as well. And you're just some of the stories that are being picked up that are completely unnecessary. There was a fight in the city of West, and like all of the outlets covered it. I got into the Department of Children and Equality, I asked them who. Who told the media they said oh well um the, the footage has been leaked on social media and the media then picked it up from them i'm like why what, what was the point of the story I, I just don't understand what was the point of that story a fight can break in any place you know and do you report on any fight that breaks in any place you know and like there wasn't anybody dead or so you say oh this is newsworthy because yeah no gone. i
0: mean I, I did i i've made that point actually in some of the I got a lot of trouble because um a news talk journalist took a video of of young fellas fighting in town and i said well um i i, I if, if there'd been camera phones when i was a kid <laughs> I'd, have, uh, I'd, have, I'd have featured in some of these but he did it in such a classless way that he kept saying this was North Face or versus North Face or sort of not was was how it was being framed and he kept using this phrase North Face for, for want because what he really wanted to say was scumbag or something like that you know and you knew what he wanted to say and he just didn't have the courage to, to to own it and we see that so I agree with you Shamim we, ans- we have to ask why some of these are, are 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 newsworthy I do want to quickly touch on one narrative Martin of the week and the state, the people are now saying the state have, you know, we've gone from how cruel they were this day last week, last Sunday, when Shane, your pal Shane, broke the story uh, about the nursing home illegal charges. We've gone from how, how cruel they were to this is now a justifiable legal um, practice. And we've moved that on to, of course, the state has a has to protect the public purse. I would ask anybody who's writing that and and, and listening to that. Uh, tell me wh- when does a country that a state that pays on average a hundred and forty thousand euro more per home per unit that they produce on social and affordable housing care about the public purse? When do they care about when they're overspending budgets? Martin, as you know, on the mm-hmm. on the national broadband plan that's gone what is it six times above budget, like six hundred percent above budget? We could talk about all of these little instances where the state will throw money at things when the money filters. Up to several individuals who happen to benefit from it, but it seems to be only when you can, when you, when you're a poorer person and you qualify maybe for a medical card, as the as the people who uh, in the nursing home scandal are, are related to, they don't care. So I don't, I I reject totally the idea that they're protecting the public purse they're protecting the public purse in one direction only but not when not when they're not
1: protecting the public purse um you know when it comes to those who and i've said this before the ethos is to run you at the high court but to spend a lot of years wasting your time before you get there so that by the time you get the financially drained you're physically drained you're mentally drained you've been up against a it's a softening ups what it does is soften you up so that when you eventually get the steps of the court they can turn around and go we'll drag this out for another six years settle with us now take this offer or fuck you and that is really what the process is and i can tell you from from working with shane and working with the whistleblowers Every single process in this country to hold uh, civil servants, politicians to account fails. Absolutely, utterly, without doubt, fails. And the way the proof of it is: show me one instance where it's worked. Just one instance where it's worked. Some guy flogging a telephone. How many years ago was that? That's mm. the one instance where it's worked. You know, and you just think to yourself. We know power corrupts, and we've known this forever and ever and ever. So why don't we have something that keeps our politicians and our civil servants in check? What is this notion that we can't keep them in check? We must keep them in check. This is what we end up with. We end up with the likes of McFinnegan begging people to, to put out a report. We end up with nursing home scandals. We end up with all of this stuff simply because we have no mechanism to hold people to account.
0: I, I would I would say this. I, I think Oshie made a good point about it. It's also we tend to focus a lot on the individuals, whether it was, you know, which minister was involved, which things was involved. You know this, Martin. It's the uh, it's the claims agencies. It's it's the Cipo who are supposed to hold them accountable. It's the the departments that are supposed to do this. It's the senior mandarin's. We've we've we only have to look at the, you know, the performances. And I say use the word performances um, intentionally when I talk about Robert Watts appearances in, in, in and for the committees. He's just
1: he's he I tell you why they're paying him such big money because he tells politicians who ask him questions to fuck off. And none of them have the moxie to do it. So that's why they send him out. He's just like a Rothweiler, they send out to bark. So they'll pay him the money to bark at people.
0: Can uh, look, I just, we we will be covering, we've lots coming this week actually, going back to uh, South America to cover uh, the events in Peru, Brazil, and Colombia. Uh, We have. well, Aidan Regan will be joining us on his uh, kind of, can, you know, how how do we how do we shift the, where we are where we're moving our economic values from, and we've a lot a lot of other stuff on. But one of the things I want to ask you, and maybe Harry, you first, the spy balloon. You you you're a big believer in um in in that that sort of tech. I know for I've, the last time we met, Harry, you had this. You know, do you remember you said, "Oh no, no, that's just a weather balloon, Tony." You're involved in that, yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah no it's actually i i framed the i framed the chinese government i was i was behind the balloon all along <laughs> um i was just it was really funny uh look i don't i don't i don't know what's going on with that i don't think most people do what did, the purpose did, of that thing was, but, I got to say.
0: Is are we allowed? To, oh, go ahead. But I want to make one point about the fact that the NSA probably knew all about it anyway.
3: Oh yeah, well, NORAD seemed to have been tracking it since it left China, so it kind of been that big of a deal. But what I, the one thing I did find very funny was all the sort of right wing politicians talking about how they're going to shoot something down themselves with their own guns. That was like sixty thousand feet up in the air. Um, it seems like they only shot it down because the kind of public. Outcry got so much, so I, it doesn't seem like it was that big of a deal. It seems like if it was that big of a deal, they probably would have shot it down over Alaska or something. Uh, but a very funny, uh, overall very funny story. But I, I think, uh, to me, as a non geopolitics expert, it seems a little weird that, yeah, if it was that serious, why did they let it go that far?
0: Yeah, uh, I, I think it was like a, you only have to cast your mind back a couple of years ago when the NSA were found to have hacked like Angela Merkel's phone. You know, that if you're gonna do it, do it like that, folks. Don't don't, don't rely on a bloody balloon. <laughs> if there's a lot there's a lot more you could that, that no, goes I'm kind on. Of,
1: I'm kind of uh weirded out that it hasn't been lever- leveraged by the the, the, the share in Ireland who wants us to join. You know And say to us Oh look Somebody needs to protect our skies There's balloons over the skies You're now China, giving you them know. You are now giving them ammunition <laughs> Don't give my <them> tears man <laughs> I can I can
0: literally see Journalists now saying That, 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 that there, there will be that You know the monkey columnist Standing like that Yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. China, Chinese well, spy balloon proves That Ireland must join NATO yeah. And become a nuclear yeah, force
1: I'm, I'm absolutely surprised That that has now I've been waiting for that article to come out all week.
0: Oh, um, no, look, there we'll, we might we might just leave it there for today. But if anybody has any questions, we'll hang on. And Can we'll I just ask them, like, squad, Harry
1: don't... one more question? Harry, leaders' popularity. Has oh, there yeah. been any big change in leaders' popularity? Uh,
3: not a ton from the last poll. Um, I think... Oh, I'll ask
1: the question I want to ask. Yeah. Is Varadkar still bloody popular?
3: Uh well, he's never been well, nobody's popular. I think everyone like the, the highest positive approval rating we see is like 10%. So everyone's pretty unpopular. Uh yes and no. So no, unlike objective terms, no, he isn't. Uh by international standards, he's kind of somewhere in the middle. Um, but give it time. It's only been a short period of time. you have seen Michal Martin's approval rating go up after he left the Taoiseach's Shock's office. And uh Varadkar famously uh was Quite unpopular by the end of his last tenure, and then recovered as substantially as Tarnisheda. So uh, lots of lots of space for him to to go down. If he starts getting to around the Eamon Ryan like minus twenty minus five, minus thirty percent approval ratings, that's probably where. Just... <laughs>
0: there, there was there was one wonderful thing, and then and then we will we will go to any questions when he has them. But it was the you know the the Sunday Business Post, and you know I actually like. Uh, Daniel Murray, but the question, you know, the big article was uh, the Greens. Will will the Greens go into 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 government with Sinn Fein? And you're thinking, well, I just read Harry's most recent um, his most <laughs> recent uh, polling statistics. you think they're going to have two seats, Harry? They're they're hardly kingmakers.
3: Oh, well, they might be. The th- things are so tight at the moment that with two seats, they might be. That's that's the thing. We've got it realistically. If you're if you if we are going to end up in a position uh, without Finucane or gale uh, or both in government, um, the margins are probably going to be really, really tight. So yeah, two seats for the Greens, three seats for Labour, four seats for All of those could end up being critical. So I, I know it seems silly, but but yeah. on current numbers, oh, don't, don't... Fine,
0: rule my buzz. Well thank real, you real, for that.
3: Real prospect. I pity whoever has to sit like everyone down in the room and try to form a left-wing government. They're like, between Sinn Fein, Labour, the Greens, Soccems, PBP, we have our so work much, much cut bad blood,
1: for us, Tony. We have our yep. work cut out for us, buddy.
0: I'll start. I'll start sending out the the emails tomorrow, and just giving the orders. We'll leave it there, folks. Thanks for listening. I, I think we're back. Oh, I'm going to say actually something. Do you remember last year, Martin? Um, we covered National Tinnitus Week with um, our yes, friend yes, Frank. Do, yes. uh, yeah, got a lovely reaction, and it is National Tinnitus Week again next week. Might get Frank back on to have a chat because it was surprising the amount of people, listeners, who if if they haven't suffered tenders have family members who have and we might cover that again so yeah we, we'll, we'll see how that goes uh, we'll leave it there uh, for, for now and we will open the mics in a second thanks folks